Hello, it's Graham Cove with another Wow Ergonomics. You know it's Wow Ergonomics because it's this time and at this place every Friday. So you should be used to it by now. I hope you're well wherever you are and whatever it is that you're doing. And welcome to everybody on LinkedIn. Welcome to everybody on Twitter. Welcome to everybody on YouTube. Doesn't matter where you're watching it. It's still the same information. Uh, if you're watching this back at some point, hope you're uh, driving safely or whatever it is you're doing as well. I've got two wonderful guests for you today. Um, Stephen, as you notice, is only here in spirit. There he is down at the bottom. Uh, he's out and about being busy today. Uh, I think he's um, recycling prime bottles or something like that. Uh, so, so very important work. But don't worry. We're still going to have the same quality level of conversation. I'm going to remove this from around us so that I can bring the guests in. First of all, please welcome the wonderful Katie Elliott. Thank you for joining us today. Hello. Hi, Graham. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And also here's Cecile. Thank you, Cecile. Here we are. Everybody, Everybody's like, oh, it's Friday. <laughs> I'm going to make sure I'm going to bring the energy up. I'm going to make sure everybody's really energized, etc. Before we go, this now let's start with who you are, because some people on this program may never have encountered you before. Uh, other people who are watching in the audience will go, "I know exactly who that is." But we'll start with Katie at the top. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm Katie um, with the uh, business HRKT. I've gone for the Ron Seal approach of naming my business. Um, I specialise in helping startups and scale up businesses with their HR and um, yeah, talk about how it's not actually that scary to talk to your employees, how you actually can go about talking to your employees and um, share lots of content here on LinkedIn and um, over on Instagram as well about being an employer, being a small business and um, working with your team to keep everyone as happy as possible. Uh, that's always the thing in life, isn't it? Trying to keep people happy. Keep people you know? happy, yeah. Yeah. As, as my um, guest on My Music said this morning, people are complicated, they, aren't they? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. My job is made very, very interesting by people, largely. <laughs> so we'll probably come on to that in a minute. Yeah. Cecile. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah. Now tell us first of all, where where are you coming from? Norway. No. Oh. Mm -hmm. the, the, the wonderful Norway. You see how global we are on this program. <laughs> what's it? What's what's it like in Norway at the moment? It's dull and grey here in the UK today. It's not a great day. You know, we had all of that beautiful sunshine for Glastonbury, etc., last week, and now you know the sun has disappeared for a while. What is is Norway grey today? Norway is great. Norway is uh rainy <laughs> and gray and cold <laughs> and, uh, and I, I just had a birthday party for my four-year-old um last night and like within five minutes of everyone leaving it just started pouring down oh and it hasn't stopped since so uh <laughs> well tell us a bit about you tell, tell us a little bit about what you do uh i'm cecilia i'm a dopamine detox coach which um is it sounds like a big, scary thing to a lot of people because uh, I don't think everyone understands exactly what it is. And I, I get it. Um, what I do in simple terms is taking um, cheap dopamine habits like uh, social media, sugar addictions, junk food, all that stuff, alcohol. Uh, and then we work on changing those habits into 
um, sustainable, healthier habits that you can stick with long term. Uh, and how we do that is we go into the triggers behind the habits. Why are you doing this? Um, how can we change it into something um, more sustainable? How did this happen? Um, and so so on. <laughs> Let, let's sit on this subject for a minute because I think it's an interesting subject and it kind of comes into HR as well. Uh, it's I've noticed of late as I say, I also interview musicians. Um, there are a plethora of songs being written at the moment by artists about dopamine and sort of the whole dopamine addiction. Um, yeah. Ellie Dixon is one of, one of those artists that uh, I don't know whether you've heard of her, but she's she's uh, created a song recently called Drowning in Dopamine. And I think, you know, that's where a lot of younger people f- almost kind of feel this kind of pressure uh, that you know their, their life's being taken away by this desire to constantly getting this hit. Um, where does it? Where where did this all start? Um, you know, has, is this not something that's always been there? This kind of desire for dopamine, or is it is it a real modern phenomenon? I think that's like a two part question um, because you know dopamine is uh, a uh, hormone or um, what's called neurotransmitter that uh, when you trigger it you if you feel pleasure um, and uh, as you know the society grows and becomes more modern we have more access to it so I think it's all it's it's always been a problem and you see like alcoholics have always been around drug addicts have always been around but the excess the access is more social media wasn't a phenomenon in like a hundred years ago it is now and you get addicted to the likes and the popularity and you feel wanted and you feel loved and you feel um all of those like um you feel desired by the entire world and it's so Mm. easy to like get sucked into that and it's a good feeling uh, when you feel uh feel like um you are someone you're meant to uh, you feel like you're meant to do this, right? Uh, and then you you pursue that that feeling all the time, which um, you know can be can be dangerous. But it's the same thing about sugar. It's the same thing with junk food. It's the same thing with alcohol and drugs. And you know there are so many of those cheap dopamine um, like habits that make you feel the same way and the feeling is what we want and we have more money now we have more access accessibility to it so it's easier to go to mcdonald's for lunch uh, every day instead of like bringing from home you know when i was growing up we, we had mcdonald's like once a month it was sunday after payday we could afford like it was luxury it was something that we looked forward to all month and now, now we can have junk food every day, all day, every day, um, yeah. be- because it's affordable now. We we can do it. Uh, it's actually and- it's actually a story that I've been telling uh, fairly regularly. I mean, it's, it's one example of um, an assessment that I did once with a nineteen-year-old in a bank over here, where several other ergonomic assessors had been in to see this person, and I I identified fairly quickly that this wasn't and uh you know straightforward ergonomic problem 
it was it wasn't to do with her environment etc but she kept falling asleep at work um and so i asked her about her dietary habits and uh, she said she ate mcdonald's three times a day so she was falling asleep at work you know she'd yeah. literally eat mcdonald's on the way to work because it was on the way she she'd go out and get one at lunch and then she'd eat one on the way home and it was kind of like well you know it, it kind of fits in with lifestyle as well i just I just keep going. I don't need to actually stop. I don't need to cook. I don't need to do anything like that. But incredibly dangerous. Um, uh, and, and you know, but but it's almost around that constant desire to to be on the go and 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 have a hit. Yeah. Katie, talk, talking about this subject of dopamine, how does that then kind of or this this generation in particular with the social media side of things as well? How has that kind of impacted? the way that teams maybe fail to communicate with each other as well. I've seen some incredibly funny sketches online yeah. where everybody's in a boardroom and yet they're talking to each other by text. So even though yeah. they're sat around the table, they're, you know, it's constantly this. Well, um, yeah, exactly. And real life examples, you know, um, one of the clients that I work with, they have this real genuine problem at the moment that, because of the hybrid working, um, you know, there's some of them in the office, there's some of them at home, but there's some of them in the office, all on a Teams call, but there's no meeting room for them to go in. So they're then all talking, but they're all sat next to each other. And they're, it, they're like, it's so frustrating because you can hear the echo of the other person. And um, so, yeah, slightly different, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's, lots, um, there's lots going on. And I think, to be honest, HR and office uh, office spaces are still kind of catching up with this whole social media phenomenon, um, particularly, you know, people spending all day, every day on their phones and um, constantly kind of being online. Um, it's, it's something to address. Um, I think, you know, as, as Gen Z are coming more into the workplace, I think Part of me is like they're a bit more savvy about it than maybe um, I am as a 40-year-old mother of two. Um, but the flip side is, is they also, they have grown up with this. Like they, this has always been their reality. Um, so there's no point saying, well, you can't, you can't do that because we all know you can. <laughs> so um, it's, it's a balancing act. Yeah, definitely it's a balancing act. And I, I completely understand it. Um, you know, from my own use of social media as well. Like I said, you know, I, I I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram. Um, it's difficult sometimes not to get a bit obsessed about like, oh, this reel didn't do very well, or like, oh, this post only got a few likes, and you kind of like hate yourself for it. But I feel like it's sort of only human nature as well to kind of feel that you're kind of measuring your own performance against that kind of thing yeah talking about measuring performance i'll just take barry's uh comment that he's brought in here how many of those in office team meetings are because of managers wanting their employees under their eye so if that they're, they're there the, the the structure of that the reason that it's structured in that way is because it's almost micromanagement all of the time yeah, sometimes. I think, again, it depends on the industry and it depends on the company. Um, the company I'm talking about, a lot of the senior management team are in all the time because that's 
what they prefer and they prefer the kind of the buzz of being in the office. Um, whereas the, the yeah, so other people are much happier with the hybrid approach and only seeing their work colleagues in real life a couple of days a week. So it's definitely been a balancing act over the past couple of years, kind of coming out of the pandemic of like what the future looked like. Um, but, you know, as far as we're concerned, uh, we being, I suppose, HR and um, general people that support kind of flexible and hybrid working is that, um, you know, the genie's out of the bottle. We, we did it, we had to, yeah. so, we all know we can. Having the been told, horse has bolted. Oh, you can't put it back in. The horse has bolted, indeed. You know, having been told for all these years, oh no, you couldn't possibly, you couldn't possibly be flexible. You know, oh, we can't open the floodgates. And then, literally, in twenty-four hours, we all had to be flexible, and we all had to go home and keep working. Um, or that was my experience, anyway. I, I still remember jokingly saying to my colleagues, like, "See you on the other side of the apocalypse." Yeah. And literally six months later, I didn't, you know, I hadn't seen them all for six. It was bizarre. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. So I, I do think there's a lot to be said about, uh, yeah, culture and um, how you go about kind of replacing some of that. And I and I do think that's difficult as well with um, going back to the sort of social media theme and like everyone's kind of phone addiction, etc. because we're all just so constantly on our phones that even if you are there in real life with people it is so hard to pull people away from their devices um i don't have any magic answers i wish i did but it's uh, a topic that i am as you can tell quite passionate about. <laughs> well there's a couple of things i want to pick up on there what one is um you know the, this which is oh but i'm working yes <laughs> right <laughs> You know, because because actually social media has become part of our work as well. And so that's that's something that actually makes it very difficult to, to, to create that dissemination between sort of, yeah. you know, I remember like early days of social media when like companies switched off Facebook in the offices and it was like, no, you don't do that in the office. Mm -hmm. But now it's kind of like, but you need to be seen to be on social media for the business. So, you're, you know, it's part of your interaction. You're, you know, it might even be how you're communicating with customers and clients and other stakeholders, et cetera. Yeah. So there, there's that element of it. And maybe, Cecile, you can talk about that in a minute. But also the other thing you said, which I found really interesting, was, you know, and as a parent myself and as someone that's slightly older, I... The, this idea that well there's our generation who aren't used to it because we didn't grow up with it but then there's the younger generation who did grow up with it and they are used to it I would like to ask Cecile are they actually used to it are they actually coping with it because I'm not necessarily sure that they are or have the actual tools to cope with it properly I don't think so to be honest yeah. that's just my like personal like um What's it called? Opinion. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and also like I've uh, I've done research on this for for a few years, and I've, the thing that I've noticed is that they're um, they're one they're good at masking it. They're good at pretending yeah. to be good at it, 
um, too. They have grown up with it, so they are used to having the devices and using the screens. And you know, uh, when I was uh, in high school and junior high, we were using computers instead of like writing by pen. And I'm sure that's have, have has that grown and evolved um, since then. And so we are giving them the um, option and the tools to use the screens, but at the same time, we're not teaching them how to cope without it and how to like turn off, not the devices, but like our brains, um, mm. because we do get addicted to it. And, and um, you know, I just uh, remember like when I was growing up, having like a TV in your room was a big deal when you had to turn it off like an hour before bed so yeah. you could fall asleep blah 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 <laughs> and then you would like sneak up and then turn the tv on with the sound <laughs> off and, and but you know we got caught because you know uh once you turn that tv on it'll be like freezy for like at least 15 minutes and now they can like sneak their phones in and mm. the second you turn that screen off it's off and we'll never know. Uh, so it's so it's easier to like work around the same rules that we had when we were, were kids and when we were younger. Uh, so I do think that they are uh, the same level of addicted, if not more. And that's, mm. you know, it does differ from uh, person to person, uh, but it also has a lot to do with how they see us behaving. Are we on our phones all the time? Are we having a TV on in the background um, for a background noise to not feel like alone when we're doing stuff around the house? Mm -hmm. uh, I remember my mom used to have the radio on. I have the TV on when I do just out of a bad habit. I don't need it. I don't listen to it, but it's there. So they see how we behave and how we do, and then they act on that because that's what's normal to them. Um, so I Part of this is I think that we need to be more um, aware of how we approach this and how we do it and actively show them that we are turning our devices off um, and that the rules of the house, the rules that apply to them also apply to us because mm -hmm. you can't have no phones at the table if we're sat there, oh, I just have to answer this email for work or... I have to like take this call because this is super important. This client can't wait. So I do think that the point of the social media, we have to make, you know, working hours are still working hours. We've let, let that like slip up a bit. Yeah, um, yeah, and answer emails at 11 p.m. And you know, when you have <clears throat> clients all over the world, um, I'm sure it's not 11 p.m. to them, but, <laughs> but I can't be like sad you know, lying in bed at night, supposed to be asleep and then, you know, replying to emails and texting back. Yeah. And you have to like, we have to put those boundary, boundaries back in place. Well, this, this is half my problem with some of the, the narrative or some of the rhetoric around things like hybrid working and, you know, sort of flexibility, even with flexibility, which is that it's a, it's kind of a juxtaposition. On the one hand, it's it's kind of a language and you'll hear companies talking about it in terms of well-being. You know, if we allow our workers to work over here and be more flexible and be able to do this, then 
you know, that they, they're not going to burn out. They're going to have a better life. You know, they're going to be able to, to you know, uh, pick the children up from school and, and do this as part of their working day, etc. But on the other hand, communication now is such that you're always there. So, you know, it's that it's that creep, isn't it? It's that creep of like, well, actually, when does work start in the morning? If, you, if you're you know, if the first thing you do at six o'clock in the morning is pick up the phone and start answering emails or replying to those texts. And then the last thing you do at night is sit there and, you know, respond to clients at 11 o'clock. Yeah. OK, you might have the flexibility. Hi, dog. Um, you might have a flexibility. I love dogs. Unfortunately, <laughs> mine's downstairs at the moment. But you know, normally <laughs> put him he's... in a cage to make sure he's not here barking. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> but but now he can't. Now he can't. Uh, now now he can't eat the postman. So he's upset. Um, but yeah, it, on the one hand, you've got that kind of, you have got that flexibility. But on the other hand, you, you just can't escape. And therefore, is it really like? is there kind of work-life balance at all or is there kind of you know or have we actually gone past the point of that is it just work-life integration is it all just become part of one big thing and does that mean that actually it's more about people starting to look for roles where in the role they're getting something out of it for their life as well do you know what I'm saying by that I I think I do because um I, I'm going to say before I went self-employed, before I started HRKT, I was working for uh, a business doing in-house HR. And I took the job, even though it was quite a big step down from my previous kind of life as an HR senior manager, um, because the number one reason was because it worked around school hours, it worked around my life, my my other responsibilities, etc., and um, this is a conversation I've had with quite a lot of other women that, you know, you do end up um, and sometimes it's the men. I don't I should say parents, but this is quite often happens to parents. You do end up taking a step down um, because of the other demands that come in your life. When I was working in that job and it was pre-pandemic and it was, um, you know, 9.30 to 2.30 every day. And I I was extremely good at switching off because you know, as soon as I was out the door, I was in mum mode and I just wasn't thinking about work anymore. And that suited me down to the ground. Once COVID hit and I said my hilarious, see you on the other side of the apocalypse, turned out I was right. Um, I would spend all day giving people snacks, sorting out lunches, doing this, doing that. Mine were quite little, so we didn't have loads of schoolwork to do, but they did they they couldn't just sort of sit there all day, you know. So I then had a very big bleed of well, I've hardly done my hours today because I've been so busy running around after them. And then I was working really late into the evenings and I was working at weekends to try and sort of catch up with everything. And I realized that like the whole reason I took this job was was never the job itself, it, it was the hours and the way it suited me. Once that disappeared, I was like, I, I don't know why I'm doing this. Like, this is not this is not right for me. Um, and that is why I sort of took the leap into self-employment, because I thought I could manage it better under my own terms, which 
as it turns out, I, I have been able to. And don't get me wrong, I am also that person that my kids say to me, Mummy, we're not supposed to have our phones at the table because I am very naughty at, oh, look, someone's like something on Instagram. Let's go and have a look at that. Um, but for me, it is, um, yeah, it's really difficult to balance it. But I, I made a very conscious choice to, to take a job because I knew I would be able to segregate it. And then as soon as that segregation dis disappeared, I was like, this is not, this is not right. So it's really struggle. It's really, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a complicated thing. I mean, I, I, yeah. I'll be completely honest. I've, I've always struggled with it. I mean, ultimately it's just the way my brain is anyway. So whether I've been employed within a business um, as an employee or I've been working for myself, the trouble is I will struggle to switch off. All right. Um, some people want me to get a diagnosis. I don't want to get a diagnosis, but it doesn't really matter one way or the other. Um, yeah, that it's kind of innate within me to like just constantly think about it and constantly worry about it. It doesn't really matter whether it's my business or somebody else's business. I've always felt that kind of responsibility. I'm in this role to do this. Yeah, You know, this is my responsibility. And actually the whole self-employed thing, although you get away from perhaps uh being at the beck and call of your employee uh, employers you're still at the beck and call of your customers and actually maybe yeah. that's in fact sometimes worse because it's, a do it's definitely know. a double-edged sword because we also get that thing of like if i'm just sat here i'm not actually like making any money for myself so i better actually go and be doing something a bit more productive and i'm not making any money for my customers i mean i you know that that's kind of part of the way yeah, that yeah, you yeah. think about it uh, let's bring in this question because i think this is great and cecile you can obviously help us with this how do we determine what's our source of the bad kind of dopamine? It's a good question. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so there's a list, I'll, um, I'll bring it up. I always forget something off this list. Um, there is a list of like the most common cheap dopamine habits that you can um, use. Um, but I also think, um, hang on, the way um, to find like your own source of um, cheap dopamine is to look at um, like write down what you do in a day say for a week write down yep. what you do in a day. write down how you feel notice uh, what do you do every time you feel stressed what do you do every time you feel sad what do you do every time you feel happy um, notice the patterns and how often you do um, things and you probably won't notice what it is until it's like beginning to become an addiction um, or sometimes even don't understand that it's an addiction until someone tells you like, dude, you eat a lot of sugar. There's like, <laughs> do you have to hide the Snickers in the bathroom cabinet? Like, you know, there's <laughs> mine are in the, the laundry room. So, you know, there's, there's, um, um, uh, if you, if you, uh, have a dessert like uh, every once in a while it's not an addiction if you have to like hide in the kitchen and while you're cooking dinner to like stuff your face with chocolate you might like mm. start looking into <laughs> changing that yeah habit. i always i always say check people's pockets when you do the laundry mm -hmm. yeah because yeah. if if there's like sweet wrappers or chocolate wrappers in their pockets you know it's yeah. that's that's deliberately not gone in a bin 
right? Mm-hmm. So they're they're yeah. probably trying to hide mm-hmm. the fact that they've yeah. eaten it. The bottom of the backpack. Good, good, good tip. <laughs> uh, so the most common habits I have a list is alcohol, junk food, social media, um, drugs, cigarettes, overeating, um, like all kinds of TV, stre- streaming, binge watching. You know, you sat down for an episode of The Witcher and all of a sudden it's like, sneakers for the wind. All of a sudden it's like, um, you've gone four hours and you watched an entire season, you know? Uh, shopping, excessive spending, um, gambling, procrastination, thrill seeking, novelty seeking, emotional eating, and poor. And there's also um, video games is also a common habit, but that's kind of like a double, yeah, that's kind of like a double, um, because not all of these are bad habits. I'm not saying like never eat sugar again, never watch TV again. It's about having like a healthy relationship with these habits. And video games are great for a lot of things. They like teach everyone who's not from like an English speaking country, you gain like uh, English skills, you gain, um, Never called? thought about that. Actually, that's yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, you get um, skills in what's um, somewhat about co-working, like um, acting together. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There are so many uh, to a lot of these habits. There are a lot of benefits as well, but you do have to like balance it so it's not all. Katie, Katie, I can see um, video game workshop days for HR coming Mm. in. in That'd be fun, wouldn't it? (laughs) You don't have to necessarily do them, just get groups to do them. It'd be quite. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's quite a list, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's amazing, actually, when you, as you were reeling that off, it's amazing how many things are there. Um, I, I'm just going to quickly say, I mean, I do this. And one of the reasons that I've changed my work to do this is this is a dopamine habit for me. This is, you know, get, get going on live and doing this sort of thing, which, you know, um, hopefully I'm quite good at. Uh, it, it is, it's a, that's a real dopamine rush for me. I know it is because that's the other thing about dopamine hits is that after you do it, after you do the hit, you feel quite exhausted. You know, that's a big telltale sign. Mm. So, you know, I expel a lot of energy, but then I go and have a little break and then I come back again and I do another one, etc. But for me, that that was part and parcel of it was actually trying to find a way of actually making it part of my work day. So actually, when I get to the end of the day, I, I can literally go, right, I just need to not do anything now. Mm. You know, let's let's, uh, you know, switch off completely and put a bit of music on and just, you know, relax because... I've, I've excelled. I, I've expelled that during the day, and it's been productive because it's part of my work. Do, yeah. do you think maybe going forward, other people need to do a little bit more of that? They need to find ways in which to proactively use the dopamine during the day. Yeah, you could because there are um, the way I like say it. Uh, uh, this is like partly a self, uh, like a concept I've made by myself. But I, I did. I, I make like the distinct like divide between cheap dopamine and what I call deep dopamine and deep dopamine are the dopamine habits that you have that give you dopamine but you've worked for it you've done actively done something because a cheap dopamine habit it will go 
like spike up and then you go straight down, which is why why your 19-year-old um, client was falling asleep all the time. Mm. Um, so what we want is... It's just basically saying it's uh, so there's a lot of things. It's often something that's bad when over-consumed or overused. Yeah. 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 So um, the deep dopamine habits uh, is something that um, supports... You still get that pleasurable feeling, um, but you've earned it. It's something you worked for. It's something you've done. It's not like a click on social media mm. uh, from posting a selfie that took you like, it, yeah, it takes literally a second to snap. Um, mm. Or, you know, um, the sugar hits that, you know, you get the pleasurable feeling from, you know, eating the sugar and then you drop right down because you haven't earned it. So the deep, I'm sorry, the deep dopamine habit is um, as, um, something that you do that give you the that dopamine feeling, the pleasurable feeling, but it stays. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I need to teach you to sing if you don't sing already, because you've got that great voice. And, uh, you know, I just think if we can if we could develop that, that'd be great. Um, I don't want to I don't want to ignore David's comment, but obviously I feel that this is obviously a real HR question, which may be, um, uh, you know, I think would probably be better to actually deal with offline. Um, yeah, David, but, by all means, drop me a DM and we can we can chat. But um, it's maybe yeah. not quite yeah. I don't think this is basically asking about a situation at work that need that you know happened and, and perhaps needs a little bit of HR advice. I don't think that's the kind of thing we should cover live on LinkedIn. Uh, but thank you for offering that and uh, you know bringing that up. Is that is that I have to ask you though? Is that a little bit of a an issue for you sometimes, Katie, in the field of work that you're in? That sometimes people just as you're out and about go, now, Kate, can I just ask you? <laughs> Um, I've got this situation at work at the moment. <gasps> the amount of times I get text messages from friends being, have you got five minutes? And I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. No, yeah, five yeah, minutes. yeah. <laughs> um, and, but then what was funny recently was I had a message from my friend's husband who was like, oh, can I um, have a chat to you about work? And I thought, oh, that's weird. He's self-employed now. Like, what's he going to ask me? But actually he had a job offer for me. And I was like, oh, this is a work conversation I could talk about. But yes, um, yes. It's, I suppose it's like when you're a doctor or whatever, but like people are always like, oh, it would be great to pick your brain about this. <laughs> I guess I guess we all do it, though. I, I guess we all get, get that, etc. Yeah. Um, just let's talk a little bit about that, which is that this is the other thing about, uh, especially about sort of social media and going online with everything these days, which is, mm. um, do you feel people, uh, especially business owners, kind of struggle with where the, the the sort of defining boundaries are in terms of sales in particular as well because you know on the one hand we're kind of taught that everything should be social selling and you know it's not about pitching to people in in the good old days you know you rocked up and you said to people this is what i do uh, do you want to buy it or not um nowadays it's not it's more about getting to know people etc but there's sometimes a difficulty in that you're meant to give value out but where do you draw the line before it's actually, you know, you're giving away what, what it is that you're actually good at, you know, and it's kind of with, where, where do you stop? Yeah. I mean, it's a tricky one because, yeah, I, I knew nothing about marketing or sales or anything like that before I started working for myself. 
and I've had to kind of learn it all at a very rapid pace. Um, no like and trust, all of that, those great kind of marketing jargon things. But what I did say, um, I actually strangely did a presentation to some other HR consultants about, because I do a lot of stuff online and I'm quite different to a lot of my um, other kind of consultants that I do a lot of my marketing through social media, which is, um, for me, like I said before, I may be slightly addicted anyway, so I'm kind of feeding my own addiction. Um, but what I have said is, and I think this is true of going back to our conversation about like having that line, you know, like separating the line. You know, I said to them, I was like, I'm quite open online. I will chat in my stories on Insta and I share, you know, stories about what's going on. But I was like, I share a very tiny window of my real life with my audience. Like, I don't ever share my kids' faces. I don't ever share my kids' names. I don't ever share my clients' names particularly, um, unless I'm like, you know, shouting out about something brilliant they've done or whatever. But I haven't um, ever, you know, if I'm writing a kind of a, um, a post about a... Uh, case study or whatever I would never name which client that I was dealing with this so I think you know there is this line and people think oh well if I'm on social media I have to like be out all the time and it's you don't though you actually don't like there is um there is a window and you can kind of do your own delineation like Cecilia was saying you know you've got to like kind of draw the lines for yourself to know like this is where I'm going over the line with the dopamine and wanting everyone, you know, if you're going completely laying your soul bare and you want everyone to like come in. If you're doing it just for that, that's when you've like crossed a bit of a line, in my opinion. Like I said, I should always caveat that this is my opinion. Um, but then, you know, the flip is side. It, and, and with that, and I kind of pulling it into... Um, your, your side as well about the sort of dopamine side of things. What, one of the things I talk to clients about is don't do content, do activity. And what I mean by that is everybody's racing to put content out. All right. Everybody's racing to put another thing up into the ether and fill that space, which is there, which, you know, if you, if you don't fill it, somebody else is going to fill it and somebody else is going to, you know, grab that space. But, you know, ultimately what that ends up looking like for for a lot of us as onlookers of that is the same old stuff <laughs> over there you know it, it's actually quite boring because everybody's just filling space and whereas i really try and encourage clients to to live and have a proper active objective with with their business so you know I, the, the first thing i always start by saying is what is it that you're actually wanting to achieve in the world right because you ain't going to achieve that like it or lump it, you're not going to achieve that just by being online, right? And it might seem that way because you you look at the likes of you know let's take let's take musicians, but you look at the, the likes of someone like Ed Sheeran online or whatever, and he's like everywhere, you know, and he's always online, and you know, there's all of this material, but that material only happens because he's doing stuff, right? He's playing places and he's recording albums, so. so the activity generates the content. It's not the other way around. It's not, mm. oh, if I produce lots of content, 
and chuck it up there that then then you know work will suddenly happen or whatever do you, do you think actually part and parcel of this is people need to get back to actually doing what they really want to be doing in the world and actually you know maybe even sometimes handing over the social media to someone to just report on it you know become journalistic with it and give it to somebody else to say right this is what I'm going to be doing this week this is you know you pick the best bits of it the snapshots and you put it out to the world but actually I'm going to get on with doing stuff yeah that that releases me to to really achieve what I want to achieve is that is that a helpful way of looking at it you're asking me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no. Yeah, I think I, I think so. And and if you've if you've seen like some of what I've been saying online, it's um I I, I talk a lot about um getting your your sleep in, um have a proper morning routine, not like just get up and then roll over to your desk on the side of your bed, you know, to start working um at once. You do like a proper morning routine eat proteins, drink a lot of water, get mm. outside, move your body, get sunlight and fresh air and do all of that stuff and then make your workday fit into that. And you have to, you know, there are a lot of like hacks and tips and tricks and um, it's not possible to do everything. You'll yeah. burn out so fast. And not everything works out for everyone. If you're a single parent, you can't go on 5 a.m. runs, you know, in the woods somewhere. Um, if you if you have, like, um, structure and um, uh, responsibilities, make it work around it. You can't do everything, but you can do a little bit. Start mm. by getting enough sleep. Start by drinking enough water. Um, one of the things I've noticed after I started doing this is People are surprised by how much water you need to drink in a day. Uh, yeah, lots. Yeah, it's lots, 64 ounces. Yeah. Uh, and um, and that's just like uh, another 32 ounces for every hour you work out, another 32 ounces for every like 10 degrees the weather turns warmer. Wow. So, you know, um, like if you're working out in the middle of the summer, you do need to drink a bit of water. Uh, and I also noticed that people... Um, aren't paying attention to how they eat and what they eat and how that like um, affects our bodies and our brains and how like we um, um, do um, during the day so we do go to mcdonald's for lunch and then we have like that um, slump within an hour after eating um, so i do think it's important to like take a step back look at what we used to be doing, what what were we like taught as children. Um, uh, look at, you know, um, don't like rush into everything. I always say that rest is productive because you do have to like take a step back, breathe, and then, you know, um, let it, you know, um, simmer. Because if, you, if your brain is on all the time, if you're wired all the time, if you like, always thinking about the next step you don't have time to process what's already happened you've got you've got to find some time to process you do absolutely even every, if you're every, not even sleeping yeah even me and, I, and, that, even and, that's, and that's difficult because my mind goes at 100 miles an hour but even me i have yeah. to find some time to process you you have you have to find some time to sort of re re-look at what you've done as well and and 
disseminate what was good about it, what wasn't good about it, etc. Katie, what what's one of the the main things that you're seeing in terms of? I mean, obviously, this shows about well being and 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 etc. within the world workplace what what's one of the main areas of concern for you as an HR person at the moment in terms of well-being in the workplace well it is sort of what we've kind of touched on but it it is that kind of like the the stress and the sort of potential burnout of just sort of always being on always being available never switching off um yeah and I do think that that is a real concern and it's really interesting as well um what Cecil was saying about rest because again that's something that I struggle with but and a lot of people struggle with like not feeling guilty um and I've seen actually like a reel or a meme or something and it was and it was this thing of like you know the pouring the water into the and it's like how are you supposed to fill everyone else's cup if your cup is empty and it's just in a way sounds very trite but actually when you stop and think about it it's it's so true because I know I'm a very sociable person. Um, I'm, you know, you don't really get into HR if you don't like people. I mean, you could, but it would be quite hard work. Uh, but, um, you know, I know that my cup feels a lot fuller when I've had a nice dinner with some friends or, you know, I've, I've had um, some quality time with my family. So it's about what is your rest doesn't have to be just sat on the sofa with your feet up watching tv you know what does your rest look like what is your um way of filling your cup basically um and yeah and then so working with employers to sort of help them understand that like you can't enforce this kind of like one rule you know and again sorry i'm slightly going around in circles here but this is like the irony of flexible working because when you put in a flexible working request in this country you are basically making a permanent change to your terms and conditions and it's completely unflexible frankly because you're saying you want to shorten your hours or change your days or something like that hybrid working by its nature is probably a bit more flexible because you've got the sort of the office and the home based um but again, sometimes we need to kind of like pull back on what's sort of achievable and what's realistic. Um, because actually I was talking to a client slash friend about this just the other week. They were talking to someone who said, oh, well, I'm part time at the moment, but you're flexible. So I could be full time. Exactly. That was what I did. <laughs> That's what I did as well. So it's like. No, like you still, you still have to like. So, do you know what I mean? It's like sometimes these expectations need a little bit of shifting. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of. I, 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 I think there's a lot of confusion over the semantics around different types of working. I, and I think the trouble yeah. is that companies try and have tried to use new terminology and be quite prescriptive with it and say, mm. well, actually, this means this, whereas actually for another organisation, it means something completely different. So what yeah. one organisation sees as hybrid, another organisation wouldn't agree with that at all. Um, and, you know, I, I say... Uh, and I, I'll reference uh, people to another podcast that I've done recently um, with Freddie Gilmore and uh, Nicola Pease. Uh, do check that one out if you haven't already, where we actually did 
talk about the the definition of hybrid uh, and mm. they offer some really good uh, insight into perhaps what it really should mean as opposed yeah. to what a lot of companies have made it out to be. Um, yeah. I, I want to ask you both before we go, because um, obviously we talk a lot on this show. Sometimes we have people from within the ergonomic sector and we, we you know, the last couple of weeks we've had that and we've, what one of the main things we've been talking about is there's definitely within our sector a move um, away from or feeling that there should be a move away from just sort of tick box exercises when it comes to health and well-being. The, the, the DSE, uh, Display Screen Equipment reg, Regs, um, and the need to do a regular DSE assessment with staff has been there for years. It hasn't changed very much. Um, you know, early 2000s, last time there was a change, and yet all of our tech and the way we work has changed drastically. Mm-hmm. Uh, we now work in very different ways. One of the things we've been talking about is maybe actually what companies need to do is shift away from doing a kind of tick box, you know, how are you sitting at your desk? Is it like this? Blah, 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 to more of an educational model where actually it's more about, you know, let's let's educate individuals within businesses. Let's actually give them the tools themselves to firstly recognise when there's an issue. And secondly, maybe depending upon where they are working, because it might be a coffee shop, it might be at home, it might be in an office or whatever, know how to maybe start to go about sorting that out for themselves or, or at least know where to then perhaps turn to to get additional advice. Do you think that's a sensible approach? Anybody? <laughs> yeah, I think so. And I think that uh, is something that uh, I feel like applies in a lot of um, professions, not just um, ergonomics. I think that... Um, um, you know, knowledge is power. If you know uh, what what is happening and how to deal with it or fix it or however you want to say it, um, we can, you know, m- move in a direction where not everything is like sorted with, with pills and medication and, and um, you know, easy fixes. Yeah, I've got a really good example of this, and it ha- happens all of the time. I was tagged into a post last week. Somebody on LinkedIn, you know, put a post out saying, you know, I've been self-employed now for for a couple of years. I'm working from home, etc. I've got really bad. I've got really bad backache. I've got, you know, I've I've actually been to a doctor. I've been diagnosed with a condition, etc. I need a better chair. Who can help? You know. And the trouble is everybody from our profession will look at that and go, oh, my goodness, no. <laughs> you know, because the, the, the problem of it is, is you can't solve these things by just saying, well, what you need is this chair. Mm-hmm. There's, there, there's more information. And every, everybody that's in a business will understand, or in a sector will understand this. Sometimes you can't just give an answer. You have to give more information first, unless you actually understand exactly how that person's working, what environment they're working in, how, you know, what their day looks like, what their task looks like, how are they, how are they doing this to then this, etc. What what the medical, uh, you know, what the medical team have said about this, how it affects them, you know, where in their back it. That all of that information 
for a qualified assessor will be a, a enable a qualified assessor to then say, right, the best recommendation for you is this. And it might not just be about the chair. It might be, well, like you need to take regular breaks and you need to you need to move this to here and you need to need to do incorporate this as part of your day. And yet we seem to just try and go for like a oh help me out. What can I buy? Where what what can I where can I get it on Amazon? You know, other other online shops are available. But but the, but the, the, that's the trouble that we've we've come to think that we can just buy everything online and just solve it in a matter of minutes. But we can't, can we? We we need more help and advice than that, Katie. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think we can try to help people, like help people help themselves. But you know, um, I have been. You know, I, I have an app called Headspace that I use to help me sleep. Um, in particular, like it's for meditation and things, but I find the sleep stories particularly helpful for getting me to sleep. So, like, I've learned <laughs> that those are good for me because they help me switch my brain off. So, again, it's sometimes about just like giving people some tools, giving people some guidance, spotting the signs. Um, oh, yeah giving people what they can do yeah philip johnson's training and giving people the understanding that they can do things to help themselves absolutely it's it's, it's... exactly yeah so that's like what a lot of what we're doing at the moment is trying to like get people actually engaged in the conversation how they can do it themselves like what we can do to support them sure but you know it's again it's that whole thing of like you can lead a horse to water but you can't make it drink you can you can get people these apps you can get them the right chair, etc. But if they're not doing all of the other exercises around it, um, it's not going to get any better. The bad back thing is a great example. I, I used to have a really bad back. I used to have these shooting pains. I went to physio. He said, actually, what you need to do is get stronger legs and stronger core, and then that will help your back because you're putting too much pressure through your back. Lo and behold. I, I now do weight training and I don't have back problems anymore. It might <laughs> Even not be. Much heavier things, but it's because I've, I've strengthened the right areas and I don't damage my back anymore. So it's, yeah. it's, it's very it's much... It's not always a piece of kit. It's not always exactly. just sold by a piece of kit. No, absolutely yeah. not. I realise you have to do the uncomfortable steps to get to where you want to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not an you have to do like... the uncomfortable. We don't want to be uncomfortable anymore. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and it's and you know sometimes yes you do have to take the painkillers or you do have to take the um, antidepressants, but there are times that you can use tools on your own to help you support those and you know work work alongside them even you know they don't have to be mutually exclusive, um, and I think that's something that we all kind of need to acknowledge as well that like it's um, it's not black and white and it's not one or the other you don't have to. Um, if you're taking medication, you don't have to stop doing meditation or alternative therapies. Like they all can work together. So, yeah, totally. It's about arming people with knowledge, giving them options, giving them the opportunity. Um, and yeah, and then, you know, the opportunity to talk about it as well. 
And it's one of the reasons we like to get people from different sectors on this show so that we stop that kind of siloing that exactly. sometimes happens. Exactly. Where like this section, this section of the society is doing this, this sector is doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it to occupational health. It's nothing to do with us. It's like, yeah. 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 No, it's one of my big beliefs in life, which is that if we start to bring people of different disciplines together and start to understand a little bit about how we can all feed into helping people then we have a we have a better knowledge and we can signpost people to the right people and we can get people the support and the help when they need it which is why you're both here today uh thank you so much you see an hour goes just like that it's amazing <laughs> isn't it um now thank you for coming on today you you both will receive a prize yes this absolutely. is brand new information Oh, it's brand new information. Well, there you go. Um, so what we'd like you to do uh, before, you know, before the end of the week, please, uh, if Katie and Cecile, if you could send me a photograph of your workstation as it is in front of you at the moment. We won't ask you to dis uh, display that to all and sundry. Because um, it is at the moment. <laughs> yeah. It that doesn't really matter because no one else is going to see it. We will, we will send that over to Stephen, who isn't here today, but will be watching this on return. And uh, if we can send you something from back at Elkhuizen that will help with your ergonomic setup, we will do that. Okay. Um, so uh, I, I hope you take that as a, as a little thank you from us for, for coming on today. Um, folks, I hope you've enjoyed it. It's yet another week of WOW Ergonomics. Every week, completely different. Uh, every week, we always learn something new. If you'd like to know more um, or, or find out what's been in the past on some of these episodes, you can go to the little microsite that we set up at wowergonomics.com. There, you can pick up on this via Spotify if you like to drive and listen or if you want to watch the videos they're all there as well until next time thanks to both my guests Katie and Cecile and uh, take care out there have a good week look after yourselves bye for now <laughs>